Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. E-S-N-Y. is still racing i don't know about yours (laughs) you know i was actually surprisingly calm at the end of it uh i think after the rizzo rbi single i was kind of just like all right they they got this in the bag yeah i thought that that, was very calming uh very calming indeed anyway what is happening loyal listeners this is bleacher creatures episode 146 with me josh benjamin and alec montecalvo uh, brought to you as always by XL Media, Crossing Broad, Elite Sports NY, Warwick Gaming, and as always, Rivercrest NYC. Uh, Alec Hart fought five games. It's absolute marathon of a series. The group chat got ugly at some points, and now we get to go to Houston tomorrow <laughs> and do it all over again for a third time. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to that. <laughs> I'm really not. I'm glad. I'm glad we won. Like, but what what Yankees fan is actually looking forward to the series? Seriously, I. I don't know, but like masochists. Yeah, masochists, sick people. Uh, <laughs> um, look, I'm happy that they won. Uh, shame on the MLB for having this scheduling fiasco, and that yeah, like, that no matter who won was going to have to play this marathon of the first round and go mm-hmm. straight to Houston to play. Um, but in a sense, I am glad it's us that has to go through that. Um, and yeah, I'm not looking forward to Houston. I'm so tired of of of, of them. <laughs> I'm like, look, I don't expect the Yankees to win the series. I don't expect them to beat Houston at all. Let, let, let's yeah. just put that out there right now. Even though Houston is not the same team that they were in previous years, they're not as much of an offensive monster anymore. That pitching is still really good. Game one, Jamison Tyone's going to face Justin Verlander. Now, yeah, could Verlander have a bad game? Sure. But Jamison Tyone, he doesn't have a lot of put-away pitches. He pitches a lot to contact. I wouldn't be surprised if the Ashes kind of came together and said, okay, let's just dink and dunk our way to a win. And then Severino game two, okay, maybe that's a good bounce-back game. I'll I'll give the Yankees this much credit because ALCS, it's still 2-3-2, right? I believe so. Yeah, it's 2-3-2. There's just no travel day between games five and six. Right, okay. So all that being said, I've gone from thinking, okay, the Yankees are gonna are gonna get swept by the Astros too. Okay, they might be able to stretch it to six games. Yeah, um, I don't think they're gonna get swept. I think they'll at least win a game at the stadium. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm I'm kind of looking at five or six games. I just, yeah, you kind of said it. I don't have that much faith in Tyone going in game one. Um, and like, yeah, Houston's all about that pitching, but I mean, every Yankee fan has a reason to fear Jose Altuve just because what he's personally done to them. Um, 
but you know, everyone... you know they're going to start chanting "fuck Altuve," right? Oh yeah, I know, and it's just you know, you can chant it when it's Game Seven and the Yankees are an out away and up by ten. I don't know, like that's the only time when it will be acceptable. <laughs> um, but uh, the big guy that scares me is Alvarez. I mean, I yeah, the Jordan Alvarez scares me more it, than David Ortiz, and da- David Ortiz scared the living shit out of me. In the league. What was that? Yeah, yeah. Well, I was just saying, like, you know, Alvarez is a premier power hitter in the league. And, oh, yeah. You know, he probably is going to be up there on the Ortiz level of just, like, any moment he can launch a ball into the stratosphere. Just think, time. like, he already is such a good hitter without the shift. When yeah. the shift is gone next – or with the shift. When the shift is gone next year – he, like Jordan Alvarez, Jose Ramirez, all these lefty hit, all these lefty hitters who are getting shifted on constantly. You're going to see an uptick in offense. They're probably going to hit like well over 300. Ramirez especially. Uh, speaking of Jose Ramirez, he played well in the ALDS. Still a very quiet series. Yeah, I thought the Yankees did a really good job of keeping him quiet. I mean, how many hits did he have where he beat the shift the other way? just fisting balls off to the left side like yeah to the point where it was really freaking annoying um, yeah but no thanks isaiah kiner falefa yes um but hey you take that from their probably most dangerous hitter i'll tell you what though steven kwan annoys the shit out of me now <laughs> steven I tweeted this out, and, we, and uh, Allison Case, who the former host of the show, big friend of the show, we gotta have her on soon. <laughs> Allison Case sh- uh, shared my sentiment in this. Stephen Kwan is Sean Figgins. The, the <laughs> for, uh, for the for the younger listeners out there, Sean Figgins uh, was a switch hitting infielder, could play the outfield here and there. Um, for the prime Mike Socha Anaheim Angels, and this guy, he was just pure contact hitter, speed for days. And Stephen Kwan, he's not as good a hitter as Sean Figgins was in his prime, not yet at least, but he's still that same that same hitting prototype, just pure contact, tough to strike out, draws a lot of walks. Like you try so hard to cheat him, and he just doesn't let you. Like yeah. he just sees the ball incredibly well. Yeah, it it really is like with with the stuff that pitchers have nowadays. It is really impressive. I mean, he was doing it against you know lefty lefty against Cortez he was doing it against Cole he was doing it against Loiza like he was doing it against every single pitcher that the Yankees threw at him he just controlled the strike zone really well and it just seemed every like every game you're starting off with a hit I was like oh god I was like I was afraid that uh Cleveland was going to come out just swinging early today and uh, and jump out to an early lead but you know what credit to Nasty Nestor he was short rest he was dominant remind me have you watched ted lasso yeah garrett cole is roy kent nestor cortez the same obisanya <laughs> tell me one <laughs> yeah and oswaldo cabrera is donnie rojas because baseball is life fair yeah uh cabrera he didn't have like a ton of good at bats this series but you could tell like he's a gamer dude oh yeah he, oswaldo, the, he's, he's so he's good a, he's a kid in his first postseason um I think today was his roughest outing at the plate. Um, it looked like he was trying to press a little too much, trying to, like, you know, 
you know, be the guy when he, he expanded the zone, got out of his approach and whatnot. But uh, yeah, he's a dude you want, like on like he's got a future as a big leaguer, whether that's an everyday player or a utility dude who plays, you know, three out of five days. Like he's a guy you want on the team. And a, like a part of me says, you know, screw it. I want to see an infield next year of Cabrera at third, Volpe at short, and Peraza at second, or the other way around, like whoever. But I just want to see all three of those kids in the lineup doing whatever. Let's do some quick post-game highlights from the from the clubhouse celebration for those who were able to see it on the S Network. There's not only a champagne celebration, they got a disco ball now. Oh, do they really? <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the lights are out. They, it, not like a, a disco ball, disco ball, but you can tell like the lights are out. They got one of those, you know, like little ro- rainbow balls that like rotates all those different lights. Like uh, you yeah. saw them at all the all your friends' bar mitzvahs when you were like 14 or <laughs> younger. Yeah, 13. I don't, I don't know how old people are. All right. So first highlight, Glaber Torres said the Yankees thought Josh Naylor rocking the baby was disrespectful. Revenge, he said. Now they can watch on TV. That's from Brian Hoke at MLB.com. Uh, Glaber Torres, it's like he, I, I don't know. I feel that Glaber realizes his time in the Bronx might be up soon, so he's just going out and and ripping it every day. Yeah, I mean, I like mad respect going scorched earth. Um, I can't say that I agree with him. Um, is what Josh Naylor did stupid? Yeah, in a sense, just because like. He hit the home run, they were still losing. Yeah, and like, but it's not even just that. It's just, it's a weird way to showboat. Like, it's not, it doesn't have a lot of swag to it, I gotta say. Um, Not that I'm the authority on swag, but like, it's just, it's a weird thing to celebrate. And then, and, and just as, you know, vigorously as he was celebrating when he hit the home run, um, I never took it as like a disrespect to the Yankees specifically or Garrett Cole, you know, I because I think Naylor said that he does it or anytime he hits a home run off of someone, he says to his teammate, like, that's my son. Yeah. Yeah. That's my son. Tristan so, McKenzie said that. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think it's dumb because like, look, I, I like when young players have fun and they, and they create some life. Yeah. Another part of me is kind of just like act like you've been there. Um, and just the way he was running around, it, it kind of reminded me of uh major league with Pedro Serrano with the, the you know with the um <laughs> acting like he's got the two big balls. As oh he's, yeah. He's doing it to the dugout. It, it was like it was just like a really awkward motion in how he was running. Um and look, Garrett Cole responded. Garrett Cole sh- like shut his ass down. In the, in the last time they faced off against each other. And then you got to hand it to Naylor, though. Um, today against, I think it was Loisaga when he just lined that shot right up the middle and right to uh, Cabrera. The crowd's the doing the whole, you know, Pedro Martinez sequel. Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? And you could see on Naylor's face the look, the look he gave. He was like, all right, you guys got me. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, I, I deserve this. Yeah. I mean, again, I don't think. I'm interested to see if they interview him in the post game stuff uh, today, but you know I don't think he meant anything by it as like uh, you know fuck Garrett Cole fuck the Yankees but like I don't know 
I, I'm glad to see that the Yankee fans created a hostile environment to, you know, get them off their edge or get yeah. them on edge. Um, so it made for good television and it did. That's what you want. How about Wandy Peralta in this series, man? You know, either him or Harrison Bader get MVP of the ALDS. <laughs> oh, I, I'd give it to Peralta hands down because he threw like he had an even uh, three ERA and was just unbelievably good. Now, like, granted, Clay Holmes is the all star closer, but Wandy's pitching the ninth. A lot of it has to do with the matchups. You got Naylor and Jimenez coming up, so you want to play that game. But I don't know, like, just with how much he embraces those high pressure moments. And with so many injury concerns around Holmes, I wouldn't be surprised if, especially against the Astros, going with someone who's got not just a great sinker and a changeup, but elite command of them, Peralta might be the closer the rest of the playoffs. Yeah, it, it will be interesting. Um, and I just wonder how much of it's like maybe there isn't a we're at the time where there's some fluidity but like between all the arms and the pen that there doesn't need to be a designated closer per se, but just like who's the best guy to get these next three outs. Kind of like what you said on the matchup with Naylor and Jimenez. Um, So, yeah, I mean, do you go like, I imagine Peralta is going to get a lot of matchups with Alvarez and um, uh, what's his face? Kyle Tucker. Tucker. Yeah. So, you know, it will be interesting to see how um, how it plays out. It really will be, uh, especially because when you consider in the ALCS, we're probably going to have Ron Marinaccio and Frankie Montas coming out of that bullpen too. Will we? Uh, yeah, Marinaccio threw a side session uh, before, uh, I think yesterday before the weather hit. Montas, they've been saying he could come back, but probably more as like an opener or a piggyback guy. Uh, just because you don't you don't want to mess with the shoulder, especially with yeah. someone like him. Especially since you got team control. Yeah. Uh Meredith Marakovitz also uh also tweeted out that DJ LeMahieu was seen with a suitcase to Houston. Hmm. Okay. So that could be an X factor going forward too, because Boone said like, yeah, he probably could have gone in the ALDS, but he just wasn't there. Uh now LeMahieu's a gamer. He's mm. gonna He's only not playing because we saw it ourselves. He was useless. He yeah, was of zero, zero on one use. Leg. He was yeah. hitting on one leg. Yeah. And so Boone being an ex-infielder and one who was definitely more of a contact hitter than he was a power guy, even though he did swing the bat fairly well for a couple of years, you have to figure he sees something in the mechanics along with Dylan Lawson where it's like, can he play? Yes. Should he? No. If he's going against Houston – and he's at his best, Alec, that, that's a game changer. Absolutely. I mean, all those guys you mentioned, you know, especially LeMayhew and Marinaccio, like those are two big crucial pieces that's going to help fortify this team uh, in what's going to end up being a dogfight, I think. You, know? you might you might even see Marinaccio go up against Alvarez with that uh that changeup that yeah. dominates lefties. I mean, we saw Tommy Canley do that for several years. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's it is very intriguing to think about. You know, having those guys coming back at this time. Um, I my fingers crossed. <laughs> it's I I I I'm not. This is gonna be the stuff of nightmares i feel like just because you know these are demons that need to be exercised and yeah and 
Now, now I don't know if this is going to be the year to do it. Here's a question. Which I call, oh, did I just forget what this question was? Oh, okay, yeah. After game three, I had this weird feeling. I did I maybe I was I was kind of being defeatist. I was saying to my wife, nah, we're, we're gonna lose tonight. The bats just aren't there. That was like a momentum sapper, even with Garrett Cole. Like he's gotta be so perfect. He needs so much run support. And she's and she goes, No, no, Yankees in five, Yankees in five. Did you feel some weird sense of calm the moment we scored first in game four and then Cole just kind of did the rest? Um, you know, I can't say that I did. I like it, it was just kind of one of those things where you know, cool off of the off on the right foot, but there's just so much more, so much more left to play. Like, I felt calmer today when Stanton hit the home run than probably what happened in game four. Um, I don't know if that's because, like, maybe I just subconsciously have more faith in Cortez than I do in Cole, which I don't know how fair that is, but we do know that Garrett Cole is susceptible to that big inning. Yeah. Uh, so I knew, like, even if the Yankees are up 2 nothing, 3 nothing, 4 nothing, that a guy like Cole can give that back pretty quickly. And I think there was, like, one inning where Cleveland started to – push the envelope a little bit. And I think I might've messaged the group saying, Oh, here comes the beginning. And yeah. thankfully he, you know, controlled it. Um, uh, quick interjection. This is from Pete Caldera. Ron Marinaccio says, I'll be good to go. If they call me for Yanks ALCS roster. Perfect. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. But you were saying about, about Cole, like, yeah, he is susceptible to that big inning. Cause he does like that. Fuck you fastball, but you could see in game four, yeah, he he used the fastball a bit in game one, but game four he was all about that knuckle curve. That oh god, it was just dancing into the zone. Yeah, yeah, that and I think he used it a lot in game one too, um, which was really nice to see because, yeah, it, it, it's interesting. You look at a lot of the hitters in Cleveland. It seems like they tried to cheat high and hard stuff. Mm-hmm. And had a hard time with the low off-speed pitches. That was kind of like, you know, uh, one thing that made me think about it was a carpenter at bat today against yeah. um, whatever his name is, Karinchek or yeah, James Karinchek. Um, you know, that's an interesting matchup because Carpenter is a very tall hitter. He doesn't get into his legs as much. Yeah, and, it's and, easy to forget just how big a guy Matt Carpenter is. Yeah, yeah, and his like is sometimes. Sometimes he'll golf one, um, but, you know, if a guy like Karinczak has a really sharp breaking ball and he makes it look like it's a fastball at knee high, you know, Carpenter is not going to be able to adjust to that and get under the ball and lift it. Um, I feel like that was an issue for Cleveland hitters against Cole in game four and game one when Cole really leaned into that knuckle curve. And like you said, it was gorgeous. It was a dandy. This was in interesting stat from the series because in terms of pure base hits cleveland out hit the yankees by a very wide margin i think it was something like 44 28 something like that and yet three players on cleveland's roster three players hit home runs in five games none of them were jose ramirez you had steven kwan ahmed rosario and josh naylor three total home runs in five games the rest they tried to bloop and blast their way to victories 
it just goes to show, yeah, small ball is great. You love to see a team hit parades and parades of base hits. Home runs win the games. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it shows that it's really hard to string together four or five hits in a row. Like, yeah. really hard. And, yeah, power reigns supreme. Oh, now, even so, I still think that this Indians core is a young, bright future. Stephen Kwan's going to be their leadoff man again just next year. Andre Jimenez, you know he's going to build off of his career season. Josh Naylor, he's very good. Oscar Gonzalez is going to be really good. Yeah. So I think it'll be interesting to see where they can kind of maybe sprinkle in some more power. Um, and maybe it's the, the kids, quote unquote, are going to develop that power as they get older. Um, yeah, I mean, they are a scrappy team. And I mean that in the most like respectful way possible because they do yeah. kind of harken back to that old school style where it's high batting averages, um, not as high OPSs, but guys who are going to string together a few hits here and there is and just, not strike out. Yeah, they yeah they they hardly strike out, and it's just a matter of they can get one or two bats that can supplement a little power, and then you know I don't know how many guys on that. Cleveland team hit 25 or more home runs. Well, but... Na- well, Naylor had 20, but he also only played in 122 games. So you have okay. to figure you have to figure in a full season he's going to be good for about 25 to 30. Yeah. So maybe like one more guy or one of those aforementioned names could develop that power. I mean, they got the pitching and they got the pen. I mean, and you know yeah. what? I thought I thought Karinchek was not that good. I think their best reliever was that Stefan King. Yeah, yeah, one of our one of our ex guys. Yeah, he was carving up the Yankees all series. He looked really good. Even uh, Cal Quantrill even looked really good too. Yeah, yeah. He he lost twice, but like we beat Cal Quantrill. We didn't necessarily beat up on him, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, you just do enough to get him out of the game, and yeah, that's all. That's all that matters. It's like you try to prevent that starter from giving a quality start, and you do that in either bombarding him or death by a thousand cuts it's gonna be interesting to see how the yankees now go in going up against the astros just backtracking there because they just plays like much like the the guardians the astros pitching staff behind verlander it's very young you got framber valdez you got lance mccullers jr you got christian javier and they also like yeah even though they swept the mariners the mariners kind of took them to the mat like game three, 18 inning marathon. That's two. They played two games. Yeah. I mean, you you look at it, it's Seattle didn't win any games and Jordan Alvarez won maybe two. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, I think Seattle did a pretty good job of exposing, as you were saying, that this Houston lineup is not the same as it's been in years past. Um, the question is can the Yankees pitching replicate what? Seattle pitching did and you just kind of hope that a more experienced Yankees offense can maybe expose the uh you know that pitching side um while you say that the the Houston pitching is young you know there is still experience on that team uh, you know Frambo Valdez has postseason experience he was there in, t- in 2020 and 2021 um how many innings did he throw this year total in the regular season uh he threw uh, damn, he he threw two hundred one innings. All right, okay. Wow. Okay, so so that's three gamers and Christian Javier, who was the winning pitcher in a no hitter against the Yankees this season. So the key to victory then 
as good as Houston's pitching staff is, and their lineup too, because Altuve is still Altuve. Kyle Tucker and Jordan Alvarez, those guys are bangers. Jeremy Pena is probably the American League Rookie of the Year. The key, you think, you think he's done enough to get it past uh, Julio? Oh yeah, that's true. Always, always forget Julio. Okay, well, Jeremy Pena. So you got Stephen Kwan, Julio Rodriguez, and Jeremy Pena. Those are, in no particular order, those are your top three for Rookie of the Year. Julio's going to win, then the other two are going to finish behind him, two and three in some order. Yeah. The key for the Yankees, then, don't get caught up in the noise. It's clear. It's clear. We saw in in six games against the Astros this year. There is something about this team where there was a mental block and all of a sudden they reverted to trying to change the game with one swing, beat Houston at their own game. Not anymore. Don't do that. You want to beat this pitching staff, you've got to take the fight to them. Just look what the Mariners did to Justin Verlander. He didn't get out of the fourth inning. I don't even think he got out of the third inning. Yeah. Ryan, Ryan Presley doesn't pitch well against the Yankees. He's their supposed star closer. This is a this is a winnable series. I think Houston takes it in six, but I have a very hard time believing that the Yankees are going to go in and they're, and they're chop me. Yeah. I mean, I think it could be one of those things where the Yankees might lose in six and the scores don't reflect how close of a series it probably was. You mean anytime the Yankees have played the Rays for the last five years? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you hope that the guys who have been here on the Yankees team and has, have been knocked out by Houston are going to come into this with an edge yeah, chip on their shoulder, but still kind of, you know, like I, I really liked what I saw from Glaber Torres this series. I hope he doesn't let the moment get too big for him in the ALCS where he tries to do too much. Like, it's going to be overlooked, but him just working a leadoff walk. And oh, off what a great goals. opening at bat that was. Yeah, it's just like, like you know, Savali threw some like decent curveballs low in the zone, and, and Glaber saw it and laid off. I think that's – speaking of Aaron Savali, we talk so much about Mike Mucina's adage about how 10 starts with everything, 10 starts with nothing, 10 where you improvise. Savali, it was very clear this outing. He had the curveball working, and that's about it. Yeah. Like yeah. you and Jordan Montgomery said, like you cannot pitch and rely on your curveball. No, absolutely not. Yeah. Because like, yeah, a hitter is going to be able to eliminate the fastball, which is sound, which sounds crazy, and just sit on that curveball. Especially doesn't... when it sounds like the only fastball that Savali throws is a is an average two seamer. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so gamer series from the Yankees. I think sorry Yankees Twitter. Aaron Boone is not getting fired this year. He's he's gonna finish out this contract at the minimum at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh I don't mean to close on a sour note, but can we talk for a second about just how okay, I I want to preface this by saying there was clearly no malicious intent behind this. There was it was he was frustrated. He was just kind of venting. It's not a great look for Brian Cashman to call the fans customers in that post rain out quote yesterday you know what i'm talking about i actually did not see that okay oh here i have i have my phone here let me let me pull up what what he actually said because again it was not he wasn't being an ass about it he was literally just venting and upset about the rain out taking forever to be called okay here it is 
A lot of people were a lot of people were forced to wait through some bad weather, Cashman said, and for that we're sorry. I don't wish that on our fans ever. Nobody wants to have their customers struggle through that type of stuff. We all thought we were playing tonight, I can tell you that. Now, technically speaking, yes, fans are customers. Yeah. But there's going to be that small pocket of Yankee Twitter who takes that comment way out of context and says, yeah, my cat's weighing in on this too. They're going to say, oh, like Brian Cashman views the Yankees as a business. He cares about the bottom line, not about winning. Results aside, that comment, slip of the tongue, It's the guy's got to go, dude. It's it's time. It's time for a new face. Yeah, I agree. I mean. I even wrote, win or lose, he has to go. Yeah, yeah, you did. And you know it's it's you can't measure just how much he's contributed to this team or just to the organization and for that there's a lot of like you're gonna respect him a lot but yeah he he just seems a step behind in terms of analyzing talent I don't know what it is like I don't know if it's just like, you know, I don't know if it's so much a step behind. I think he's just kind of prioritizing the wrong thing because look, I'll, I'll give Isaiah Counterfield for credit where it's due. He does not strike out a lot. He knows how to foul some pitches off when there's two strikes. He's sneaky good at runners in scoring position, but as a defensive shortstop, he's so feast or famine. And yet out he goes night after night, trying to get like making more mistakes, sometimes having good nights when Ozzy Cabrera and Oswald Oswald Peraza are down in Triple A. Yeah, like, I mean, like what? What are well, you? My, to my bigger criticism is just how he handles prospects. Yes, because the, the, the prospect hugging is very frustrating. Yes, because there doesn't seem to be a clear end goal when it comes to developing the prospects, because you have guys who look like they're tri- who are performing at Triple A but you yo-yo them between AAA and the majors where of course they're not going to be productive hitters because, you know, as a young hitter and having to not knowing how long you're going to be in Manhattan versus if you got to go to Scranton, like, yeah, that like that's a lot of outside noise. That's going to like permeate into what you're trying to do as a ball player. And Scranton's, so, not, and Scranton's not exactly close to the city either. It's I, 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 Scranton's not even close to, to Philadelphia where I am. That's yeah, because I think I think there is an actual bus from New York to the Scranton area. I think with no traffic, it's maybe two and a half hours. Yeah, yeah that sounds about right. So I mean, like you know, you you wonder if things would have gone differently with a Clint Frazier or with a Mc. Miguel and Duhar, if Cashman had just given voted confidences, you know, and I get it. Yeah. Like, you know, it is a bit of a business and as the Yankees, you're expected to compete and win, but like, you know, I'm not saying Miguel and Duhar is going to end up being like, you know, the biggest, what if in recent memory for the Yankees, it's just like, you know, the dude hit 290 and came in second place of rookie of the year to Shohei Otani. Like, yeah, he did. Like why why not give him an extended run? And then regardless if he fails or not, like I don't mind a prospect failing if they're given ample time, you know? Because I it it doesn't make sense yeah. to me why why hitters or players like Aaron Hicks, which you know again like it's terrible to see him get hurt and you don't want to see that happen. Um, 
but why guys like Hicks or Isaiah Kiner for Leffa or Josh Donaldson? Uh, we have, we have, spe- speaking of Hicks, we have an injury update on him. Uh, he said that from Brian Hoke, Aaron Hicks knee said that his season is over. I'm extremely disappointed. It's something special. I wanted to be a part of it. Estimated recovery time is six weeks. So, okay. So it looks like, yeah, he had an MRI CT scan. Wasn't good. Didn't know the exact diagnosis. So it sounds like, I'm guessing it's like a, maybe a torn MCL or maybe just a grade two sprain. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's interesting. It didn't seem like it was going to be a knee injury. I thought he just got like gouged by Cabrera's cleat on his leg. So no, you could tell um, like they when they knocked knees together, the um Hicks caught the business end of it. Uh, it was like right on the outer on the the outer joint. Hmm. Well, the good news is this probably means that he'll be easier to trade in the off season because I think he's going to be gone, right? I mean, I he should be. Like he really should be. There's no yeah. reason why valuable reps should go to a Hicks or a Marwin Gonzalez or you know whoever. When you got kids in the lineup or kids who are trying to fight for a lineup, and you know you want to talk about trying to find young, controllable, cheap talent. Well, how about you give the shot to the people who are in your system, right? Next year, yeah. the outfield needs to be, and, and and not even next year, this next postseason, you could argue that the outfield needs to be Cabrera, Bader, and Judge. And, I, and like, hell, call up Peraza. If you don't have faith in IKF at shortstop, maybe call up Peraza and see what he can do. Yeah, agreed. Maybe Volpe's going to be ready next year. You never know. Exactly. So, I mean – like that's part of the rant about the whole Brian Cashman thing. It's you don't know what his game plan is for young talent. He seems to have a very short leash for the kids, and yet an extremely illogically long leash for players who just have not been getting it done for the last few years. I'm going to use this terminology, and I think you'll appreciate it when it comes to Brian Cashman and his approach to developing prospects. It's almost like he waits himself to death. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, how long? Have we, how long is Esteban Florial supposed to be in the truth? When okay, yeah, he had a great year in the minors this year. You look at you look at the strikeout rate, the OPS, the on base, and how okay you have to account for the regression and batting average coming up to the majors. Okay, he's Joey Gallo. All right, you you, you wasted all this time waiting on Esteban Florial, and now you have Joey Gallo, who you just traded away. I'm not even convinced he's like a Joey Gallo. If we just give him the time and the and the reps, he might figure it out. But like, let's just see. Like, give him a month, run him a month of every day at bats. And if I he think you have to figure you have to figure that next season, assuming Hicks is gone, because Harrison Bader's the the starting center fielder next year. Yeah, that, that that's just a fact. Uh, but I think you have to figure if Hicks is gone. That means that Esteban Florial, unless he's moved in one of those magic offseason trades, and that's assuming Cashman comes back on a new contract, Florial might be in the mix for everyday left field at bats. Yeah. Like, here, here's a very good example, I think, of guys who have shown glimpses and flashes, but for whatever reason, you never give them the, the extended run to prove themselves. Right. Tyro Estrada. Remember Tyro? Oh, yeah. Tyro so, gets one to Cairo. 
Yeah. So he played 140 games with San Francisco this year. Yep. And he hit 260 with 14 home runs. Did he really? In San Francisco. And the Giants want to go after Trey Turner? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like, oh my God. Trey Turner might hit 330 in that stadium, but that's a different story. But, like, like, that's the point I mean, is, like, you had these guys who show these flashes of being solid contributors at the major league level, and you just don't give them the shot. You trade them away for nothing, and then they become productive for someone else. It's like if you're looking for young, controllable, cheap talent – Give them an opportunity. Yeah, and I get going back to IKF and how Cashman approaches him. I get that. Oh, defense is important, but you need to. There's utility to analytics. Feel for the game sometimes has to matter more. And now that the shift is gone, you need to rethink entirely how you do your do defense. It's not about it's not about like the shift anymore. It's about, okay, who can go a long way on both sides, even if it's an ugly DRS. Yeah. We're going to see a drop in DRS in the next few years. Just watch because no shift means a new look at defense. And again, I don't think Brian Cashman makes bad decisions necessarily. I just think that I don't know what he prioritizes, but whatever he does, he does it in the weird wrong way. That's just, yeah. that's all I got. Yeah, I agree. But in the meantime, we need to end this on a high note. So it was a great series. The team, you, you never know how tired they actually are. Especially mm-hmm. especially with as, as, Trevino and Donaldson in the middle. They have newborns at home. So I can, <laughs> I can only imagine what they're going through. Uh, but Nestor Cortez, absolute gamer. This team cares about each other. They play together. They live and die together through this great game. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, we will see you tomorrow for uh, for game one, folks. Man, I don't know if I'm ready. Oh God, yeah. Well, it is what it is. Hey, the good news though is the Rangers look sick. So, and the Giants are five and one too. <laughs> hey, aren't you aren't you glad I didn't say anything? Yeah, whatever. Okay, follow <laughs> me on Twitter at Josh Bsny. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. You know how to find Alec on Twitter, too. Just That was mean, dude. Mean end. All right. Happy ALDS win. Let's watch the ALCS.